You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. There's a lot going on in the church, and that's an exciting thing. Um, I think about not just here in the church. Uh, I know for many it's... it's, it's uh, not a lot going on relationally in the church because we're not be able to uh, be together. But I just want to say welcome to those of you who are at home. And, uh, and I'm excited about uh, this time. I think about last week was a week of transition. I think about uh, the transition from uh, Trump's presidency to now Biden's presidency. And as I was watching the news back and forth on different forms of uh, uh, of news sources, just seeing for some people it's, it seems like it's a time of hope, the feeling of hope. For others, it's a time of insecurity and, and not sure what's going to happen. Um, on top of that, to add just the polarized parts of society, just uh, people um, taking a position and attacking others. I was watching the news uh, right before the uh, uh, the day of uh, the inaugural day, and I remember going to Fox News and seeing what they were saying about the other side, and then uh, it was just, it, it was terrible just seeing, uh, looking at what happened in the White House, the attack on the White House itself, or just the people protesting and, and breaking in and all that, and seeing how the news was interpreting these things, and then go to CNN and see what they were saying, and just to see how polarized uh, parts of our culture really are. It's sad. It's sad also to think about just the last few days here in Portland and Seattle to watch, uh, look at the news and see rioters breaking windows. And it just goes on. People's brokenness reminds me a little bit of, of the men that Jesus chose to be his followers. If you think about it, last week Jay brought us through a message that talked about uh, he talked about how Jesus called this man named Matthew. <laughs> Jay said um, it would be like, he would be like the last person you would expect to come to choose to follow Jesus. And yet, Jesus comes and calls this man. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a man who had betrayed his own people. He was basically taking from his people to give taxes to the Romans. And on top of it, he was taking for himself. And you've got Matthew, a man who was broken. And, and the guys, other guys that were on Jesus' team were fishermen who were probably from the same area. And it's very possible that these guys uh, were taxed by Matthew. So you can imagine the feelings of uh, antagonism, of I don't want to be around you. I don't like you. And yet Jesus calls them to be on the same team. These are the guys that Jesus calls to to be his followers. And this week, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. And Matthew chapter 10 um, is, is, about, is about a missions trip. But before we talk about Matthew chapter 10 and this trip, I just want to ask you a question. What is it like for you in your home when you get ready to go on a trip? Uh, I know, I'm wondering, are, are some of you planners? And are some of you... Adventures. 
Now, if you're sitting at home, you're probably pointing to each other and saying, yeah, you, you're more of a planner and you're not much. I, I think about that in my house. Uh, it, takes, it takes a while to prepare it at my house. But growing up, I grew up in Paraguay. And in Paraguay, a lot of the roads were dirt roads. A lot of them were red clay. I remember there were times when we would go on a road trip and uh, one time we broke down. It started raining. And there was this huge hill we had to cross. There was this rickety old bridge we had to cross uh, with this Volkswagen bug. We crossed it. But then you had to climb this hill. And there were cars left and right and carts left and right because they just couldn't get up this, this hill. So what happens is you're probably going to stay there a day or two or, or you leave your car there and you've got to go home. Your plans just change. Circumstances, weather would just make your plans change all the time. That was what it was like growing up. So you planned, but you planned knowing that it was probably not going to go through. So it was okay if you just had an adventure. <laughs> um, so I kind of grew up with that mentality. Well, my wife, not so much. She's more of a planner. Let's make reservations. Let's, let's plan ahead. Let's make sure we do it uh, days, months in advance. You know, some of you are probably planning for uh, summer vacation and where are you going to stay? Anyway, this trip that the disciples are going to go on is... is Planned, but it's planned by, by the Father and the disciples, by, by God himself. And Jesus is going to tell them, you know what? I'm going to have you just go. This is going to be an adventure. He's been training them. They've been spending time with Jesus. But let's do this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. And, and this picture is one I asked my daughter to draw. And, and she was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. So the idea of Jesus pulling his disciples together. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to send you on a trip. And you're going to go to the towns of Israel. But anyway, let's go. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So this is the event, or this is the story that we're looking at today. One of the first things I see in this passage is that Jesus calls his disciples with a purpose. And in this passage, uh, the purpose of being sent out is really big. 
But I'd like to go back just to give us a little context. We've already seen this as we've been through the book of Matthew so far. But the book of Mark tells us this. Mark 3, 13 and 14. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. I think of these two purposes. What are the two purposes that Jesus would call disciples to himself? What's the reason? And I love this. Verse 14, the first thing that is mentioned is that he calls them so that they would be with him. Why does Jesus want his disciples to be with him? What would, what would the purpose of that be? Well, <laughs> it sounds very relational to me. He wants to spend time with them. He wants to speak with them. He wants to share. He wants them to get to know him, to grow in relationship, to learn more about what it means to follow him. He wanted them to get to know him at a personal level. So he invited them to experience his presence they, as they spent time with him, they heard him preach. They heard him preach the message of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was the same message that John the Baptist preached, but they heard him preach. They watched him when, when he uh, went and, and healed people, but he offered, he offered them, when he said be with him, he, he was offering them inclusion into the family. They were witnesses of his majestic power. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is the king. And these guys got to witness his power, his majesty. He had authority over nature, over disease. He had the power to forgive sin. He had authority over demons. They were able, they watched when the Gadarenes came shouting, immediately recognizing who Jesus was. You are the powerful son of God. So they got to witness these things. As they spent time with him, they grew in this knowledge. They went from, okay, he's a preacher to this is no ordinary man. If you think about that storm that Jesus calmed, their response after he calms the storm was, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey? So Jesus had a purpose. He wanted them to be with him so they would witness who he was and experience who he was personally. But the second thing that Jesus does is what we see in this passage. He wants to send them out. And here, in verse 2, one of the first things we notice is uh, Matthew says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. It's the first time they're called apostles in Matthew. And the word apostle, what is it? Well, in the Greek, it's apostolos, and it just means a messenger or one sent on a mission. And so, here are these guys, and right now, their specific miss, mission is going to be to go to, the, go to Israel and, 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 and be on this missions trip, on this trip. Um, but later on down the road, the Apostle Paul would write about the 12 apostles. This is after Jesus died, after he rose from the dead. Judas is no longer on the scene. And there are 12 chosen, and, and um, 
Paul would say this about the apostles, built, uh, this is regarding the church, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The church is built on a foundation. And look at this, the apostles and prophets are, are placed in, in the same category. Their writings, their teachings, they are the foundation of, of what we believe. And the chief cornerstone is Jesus himself. But you think about these guys that Jesus is choosing. Are we going to take a minute and just take a look, take a look a little bit more in who they are? And Matthew is very intentional in this passage. He, na- he actually writes down their names. He says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. You've got Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas Iscariot. These are the twelve that are chosen. And when we take a look at who they are, you know, if you wanted to come up with a team of of people who were going to be successful, would these be the guys that you would choose for your team? You got, uh, sorry, I went a little fast there. Uh, you got Simon. This is Peter. Who is he? He's, when we get to know Simon, he's, he's brash. He's inconsistent. Um, he's outspoken. He tends to stick his, his foot in his mouth. This is Peter. You've got James and John. They were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. And many think that they were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder not because they had the power to bring down lightning like Thor, uh, but, but they had a chip on their shoulder. It's like they were quarrelers. They had anger issues. And so you've got James and John, and then you've got Thomas. What is he known for? The thing that kind of sticks out with Thomas is, is that he doubts even after everything he's seen, he's seen, even after he's gotten out with the power and authority of Christ, he still doubts. Yeah, he's, then in the end, he's the one who says, you are my Lord and my God, or my Lord and my Master. And this is Thomas, and you've got Matthew. We've already talked about him. Matthew is a man who betrayed his people. He is wealthy, rich, but rejected by his people. And you've got, uh, he, he's part, and then at the end, look at the last man on this list. You've got Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, the one who sits and eats with Jesus, declaring friendship, and then turns around and sells him for profit. Sells his friend for profit. These are the guys Jesus chooses unlikely men to bring success. They weren't trained as preachers or doctors or shepherds of people. But Jesus chooses them. Um, And it says in Luke that these guys are sent out in pairs on this mission. Can you imagine? Matthew, oh, and there's one guy I didn't talk about, this guy Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot was a man who uh, was part of a rebellion against the Romans. He didn't like the Romans. 
So can you imagine a man who is serving the Romans like, like Matthew? Can you imagine, I, I can imagine if, if Jesus had sent the twelve in pairs and he put these two together. Can you imagine what they would think about each other? And yet, what happens when you come to Jesus is he transforms your life. We saw that in Matthew. And it's, I'm sure it happened to Simon. And so Jesus is willing to use people who are very polarized to bring them to unity to work as part of his kingdom. And that's kind of, I think about our polarized society today. I was saying I watch Fox News and CNN and looking at just the opposing views and the way they're just degrading the other side. It's sad. But the question I think I have for us is, does Jesus call people who are that different from each other today? Does he call us to the same team? The fact is, Jesus hasn't changed. He he was able to do this back then, to call people like you and me. And he's able to do it today, to call us. He can call and anyone can choose to be on his team. Broken people, sinners, people who, are, who have differences of opinion, who get irritated at little things, who argue over stupid stuff. D- does that ever happen to you? It happened to me this week. <laughs> But Jesus is able to take people who are very different from each other, different languages, they look different, different social classes, different levels of education, and yes, even people with different, different political positions. And he can bring them, he's calling us to himself. I look at, for example, I think of Comunidad de Gracia, the Hispanic service that will meet this afternoon. You've got people there that are from, I know for many of us, they, they're just they just kind of fall under the umbrella of Hispanics. But the reality is, I'm from Paraguay, South America. We don't know what tortillas are down there. We don't eat beans and rice the way the Mexicans do. Spicy food is not our thing. We like steak and yuca. Or actually, we call it mandioca. (laughs) But you wouldn't know what that is, more than likely. Some of you might. But they're so different. You come to eat each other's food and it's like, that's not my thing. You've got people who come to the congregation at three in the afternoon. You've got people who speak uh, Maya, Mayan. You've got people who speak Purepecha. And they speak their own dialects. They have their own cultures. They have their own food, their own traditions. And oftentimes out there on the streets, they probably wouldn't talk to each other. Because those aren't really my people. And yet Jesus calls us together to one team because we worship the majesty of heaven. We worship Jesus. We worship the King. And he gives us purpose, purpose in being with him and being with each other and healing our lives. He is at work. This is Jesus bringing transformation. The second thing we see here is that that Jesus gives them authority, the king's authority, and the king's message. It says, He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. The power they had witnessed when they were with Jesus, 
they now had this power to carry, to carry the same, the, the same power is with them. So they can heal disease, they can bring transformation, they can, uh, if they run into people who are demon-possessed, they can speak the, the power of, of Christ and these, these demons would leave. This is, keep in mind, this is a very specific mission. It's different than the mission that Jesus uh, presented to the church later on, but this is very specific. Why is it specific? Well, think about where they have to go. It says in verse 5, do not go among the Gentiles or any, enter any town of the Samaritans. So this isn't to the nations. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. The lost sheep of Israel. Makes me wonder what Jesus might have been thinking when he told the parable of the lost sheep. <laughs> but he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel the way Jesus sees Israel at the time. They were lost. They were walking away from God. Maybe they were religious. Maybe they weren't. But the whole message that John the Baptist was bringing wasn't to a people that was walking right with God. It was to a people who was broken. Repent. Change your ways. You're headed in the wrong direction, away from God. Repent means turn around and, and walk towards him. And, and Jesus is sending these guys out with this message with this message of, of repentance, of, look, um, just like, well, these guys, they are preaching this message of, of repentance, and can you imagine, they're going to go out, and they're wondering, well, why would they believe us? you got the disciples, why would they believe that we come from God? Well, one is your story, Matthew's transformed, but they probably don't know a story. But they have the authority of the king, the authority to heal, the, the authority to, to see people uh, transformed when they preached repentance. Anyway, they have authority and God gives them proof. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Moses in the Old Testament when God calls him to go and rescue the Israelites. And Moses is thinking, um, how are they going to believe me? How are they going to know? And God says, I'll give you the proof you need. And Moses goes back and he performs these amazing miracles that just demonstrate that God is at work. That's what the, the disciples have. The 12 apostles, they go to the lost sheep of Israel. And Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The power of Christ, the power of Jesus. Let me ask you, do you believe Jesus shares his authority with us today? If you're a follower of Christ, do you believe that Jesus shares his authority with you? In Matthew ch chapter 28, this is a message to the church to go among the nations. And it says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Disciples. People who carry the authority of Christ. And look at uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And if we know our Bibles, we know that the moment we come to Christ, 
The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. He is part of our lives. And just like those guys back then were able to understand that Jesus is the King of Kings, that He has authority over nature, over pandemics, over disease, that He has the power to forgive sins, to transform our character, to heal our relationships, to bring physical and mental healing, to command spiritual forces, just like He had the power back then, He has that same power now. And He's given it to us. A few weeks ago, my wife and I experienced something pretty hard where uh, a, a family lost the dad. A wife lost her husband. And we were there. We walked in and it just felt like a hopeless situation. It was really hard. We walked in, uh, cried with the family, and then, you know, the first responders showed up, the chaplain showed up, and we were able to be there with them. And later on, I had a conversation with this chaplain. And I, I asked him, you've been in this kind of situation many times. What do you do with that feeling of hopelessness when you walk in and you can't do anything? How do you deal with that? And he said something just reminded me of something that is so powerful. He said, you know, when first responders come, they, they bring what they bring. But when we who are followers of Christ walk into a situation, the presence of Almighty God walks in that presence with us. And he brings peace and comfort and strength. This is our God. And he comes with authority. So, I don't know about you, but may, maybe you've been fighting something for so long. I think about Jay McKinney and his family. And how many nights we prayed for him. How many times we've prayed. Um, I know there are some of you out there like Mary Lister, who's prayed for a long time and is still in that place of pain. You've prayed over and over and the response is silence. Or it seems like a no. I want to remind us that Paul prayed for years for that thorn in the flesh to be taken away and his wasn't taken away. It didn't mean God's power and presence wasn't with him. It just meant God has something else in mind. And the question is, there are when there are times in our lives that God allows for us to experience pain, will we trust him? Will we continue to trust Him in the middle of this pain and choose Him even, even in the middle of a storm? I'd like us to take a moment now and just consider this message. As you go, He told the disciples, go proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. According to Mark, it was more than that. It was repent. Repent. Repent for the kingdom of God isn't near. But Matthew, he focuses on the king. He wants people to know Jesus is king. But this is the message. The message, it's not new. It's one that all the prophets had, had preached. Look, there's a promised king coming. Repent. Walk right before God. This is the message. And here the disciples are going. The apostles are going out to preach. You know the king we've been waiting for? 
The kingdom we've been waiting for, it's at hand. Are you ready to receive it? Jesus is the promised king. He forgives, he heals, he frees. And the question is, how will the lost sheep of Israel respond? Well, we're going to take a few weeks to see what happens. But I think we know the story. But the question is, when God challenges us to repent, to take Jesus on as our king, how will we respond? What are we going to do with Jesus? There's a verse in uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter says this, God is patient with us. God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So the question, is Jesus king or isn't he? What are the things that, let me just ask you some questions to consider this. What are the things that take over and rule my life or your life? Is God just a Sunday God? Or is he involved in every part of my life? What are the things that occupy and consume my mind, my thinking? What place does God have in the daily rhythm of my life? Is he part of it? What place does God occupy in the way I do relationships? How is, how is that working? How am I letting him in? What place does God have in the small or big decisions that I make? The message of repentance is one that we have to slow down and think about. It's very relevant to all of us, all the time. The King of Kings invites us to come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy for our time of need. So here we have the disciples. They're getting ready to go out. And one of the things Jesus wants them to know as they're getting ready to go and they're, they're thinking about planning he says, basically he says, expect God to work. Expect God to, he's going to work on your behalf. Now, this is a very specific trip, and there are ways that God's going to work where he's saying, you know what, you don't have to plan for this trip. That doesn't mean for us adventurers that we don't plan trips, especially when we're going with our wives and other people. Yeah, planning is good. That's not the lesson here. But the lesson here in this is that we see God at work, and Jesus says, expect God to work. And, and How? Look, verse 9, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag, okay? Uh, no extra shirt or sandals for the workers worth his keep. This is like, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, people who, what do you call this? What is it? Hitchhike, thank you, there are people here. Okay, uh, hitchhikers with a t-shirt, imagine going just like that, right? Um, whatever, but, but look at the other way that Jesus works. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. A worthy person, what is that? What is a worthy person? Well, if we go back to last week's sermon where Jay talked about Matthew coming to Christ, Christ. Um, G Matthew chooses to follow Jesus, and right away, Matthew just gets it. He goes home. He 
prepares this banquet. He opens his wallet. He runs to Costco and gets, you know, food. Well, maybe no Costco, but he basically prepares this banquet, invites Jesus over, invites the disciples over, and then he brings his friends. And he invests in his friends. That's a worthy person. Not someone who is perfect, who has it all together. It's someone who is willing to partner with Jesus and say, Lord, I, I want to give what I have for your, for your sake. And so he's telling them, when you go into these towns, find a worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Find a worthy person. Find, find a Matthew. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. Basically, when you come in and you greet people, you're going to greet them in that culture with with peace. Peace to this home. But what's interesting is, so often when we have, you know, we say, hello, how are you doing? Or uh, what's going on? It's It's just a greeting. We don't really care about, it's not really a question. Jesus is saying, when you say peace, this is a real thing. And if people reject you and they don't want this message and they don't want what you have to offer, take your peace back. It's a real deal. And it's, and it's going to leave. And so, but you find that worthy person um, and expect God to work in people like that. It makes me wonder, we've got worthy people today. I can think of so many people. There's this guy named Rolando. He came to Christ and, and a few weeks later he took this room and he said, you know what, I'd love to have guys come and meet in this room. And so, before COVID, we were meeting there. <laughs> but that's what God is doing. And, and lastly, Jesus wants the disciples to know one more thing. He wants them to realize that opposition is real, to expect that they're going to run into opposition. And what happens? In verses 16 on down, basically, he tells them about it. And it's, it's a long section, but I just want to point some things out. He flat out tells them, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. This isn't, this isn't a vacation. It's not a, a trip. You know, it's not one of those trips. This is going to be hard. So be on guard. Do not fear. He says, be on guard. And he says, do not fear. And when he says, do not fear, he's not saying, don't have the emotion of fear. That's a very real thing. We feel fear. We can't help but feel fear when, when there's something to be afraid of. But what he's saying is, in, in light of the fear, don't let fear squelch your courage. Don't let fear take away your bravery of, of sharing the gospel. In fact, he says to them, there is something to be afraid of. Be afraid, be afraid of Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There's someone to be afraid of. It's God. And and it's not because he's up there waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you. It's because he loves you and what he has is best for you and he's trying to prevent you from destroying your life. As a father, I think about my sons and my daughters and how many times I've said, hey, don't go out in the street if you go out in the street, you, you could get hit by a car because I love you. And if you don't choose to listen to me, there may be a consequence because I love you. This is the kind of, of fear that is healthy. So yes, there is a place to be afraid. And if we choose to reject God over and over again, what happens? One, he's the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
That's a hard message, but it is a reality. And lastly, Jesus wants, wants the disciples to consider that following Jesus means being willing to sacrifice. Being willing to sacrifice. And he says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. When you think about that word cross, there's one behind me up here on the wall. As I think about that cross back then, now this is a religious symbol. It makes us think of Jesus. But back then, when you saw a cross, it was probably because someone was carrying it. Or it was probably because someone was hanging on it. And so if someone was carrying their cross, they were going to die. It was a very real thing. And, and here Jesus says, whoever does not take up their cross, he takes a very real, vivid picture for them, and he says, you have to consider yourself dead to yourself, to your desires, to the things around you, to, to your ambitions, if you want to win life. Because choosing Jesus wasn't, wasn't an easy, easy choice. Can you imagine being Matthew? A tax collector, rich, filthy rich, have, kind, have other tax collector friends? And maybe you've worked together to cheat people out of their money? And now you choose to change your life. You follow Jesus and you stop doing what you were doing. Can you imagine what your friends are going to think? Hey, Matthew, what does that mean? Are you going to rat us out now? And suddenly, Matthew is found with opposition. It reminds me of this story a few years ago of this girl named Ina. I was a teacher at a private Christian school. And uh, Ina was a foreign exchange student from Germany. And uh, this was a high school class. I was teaching Spanish, but she had been uh, just talking to different people. And somehow it came up that we truly believed in this, this Jesus. And she kind of laughed. And she said, you, are you guys serious? You guys really believe this stuff about Jesus and the Bible? And we're like, yeah. Yep, we do. I do believe this. And we started talking about Jesus. And she started reading the Bible and she started doing her research. And then over time, one day she comes to class and we were talking a little bit before getting into the uh, subject. And she says, you do realize that if I choose Jesus... My parents are going to reject me. Her parents were atheists. They're going to reject me. My friends are going to reject me. <laughs> I will be completely out. And it, it sunk, and we're like, yeah. And she considered that, and, and a few weeks went by, and one day she walks into class and she says, guess what? I'm like, what? And she said, I choose, I just want you to know I chose Jesus. I chose Jesus. And she was super excited, just on fire, even though she knew this is going to cost so much. Choosing Jesus to follow him, it's, it's not easy. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And as I invite the worship team to come up, 
I want you to just consider if there's anything that comes between you and Jesus, anything that comes between you and having a relationship with Jesus, you may win that thing, but you will lose your life. And what Jesus is saying, he is so worth it that even if you, if you, if you just had Jesus but you lost everything else, it would be totally worth it. Because Jesus is the greatest treasure we could ever have. So I'd like to invite you as we consider this passage to pray with me. I'd like to invite you to pray. And here are some ways that I'd like you to consider praying. Let's talk to to God. Dear Jesus, I want to be with you this week. I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. I want to know you, Holy Spirit. I want to experience your transforming power in my life. And Father, as I think about this, help help me, help us consider the cost to follow you. Are there things we need to give up Are there things I need to be willing to give up? Father, help us, help me consider the cost. And Lord, please give me, give us courage to obey and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. The great name of Jesus. I would like to end this time uh, reading out of Ephesians chapter 1. And... uh, There is a prayer in Ephesians 1, verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this, in the present age, but also in the age to come. So with that, go and live in the power of Christ. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.